Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. I want to be honest with you. I was up early this morning praying, thinking about you, reading the Word of God, and I came across a scripture. It just fired me up, and I've got to share it with you. In the Bible, there's a scripture that says when two or three people gather together in the name of Jesus, something powerful happens. The Spirit of God is in that place. Jesus is in that place. God is in that place. So today, you walk through these doors into a room, but you didn't just walk into a room. You walk into a space, but you didn't just walk into a room with like-minded people. You have brought your exciting moments, your high moments, your down moments, your in-between moments, the things you're trying to get figured out, into the presence of God. And where the presence of God is, when God is in a space, anything can happen. I'm telling you, hope can happen, healing can happen, encouragement can happen. God can surprise you today. Do you believe it, Go Church? Somebody say, let's go. It's football Sunday. Look, I'm going to get fired up all day today, so you might as well start right now. I want you to elevate your expectation. We're going to have fun. Yes, we've got coffee. Yes, the music's amazing, beautiful people. But open up your heart to the possibility of what could be today. Don't underestimate what God can do in your heart today. So I'm excited to get into this together with you. I've been thinking as we are coming up on Football Sunday team, I've been thinking about what times in my life have I been encouraged by another team member? When in my life have I encouraged somebody else? Thinking about our transition to Colorado and all the Colorado things that we do out here. And my mind immediately goes to hiking, I don't know what it is about Colorado people. We all dress like a hike could break out at any moment. It's like you're taking the light rail to town, but you still got like your hiking poles just in case. You never know. It's going to break out. How many of you here have ever been on a long hike here in Colorado? Long, pretty long. Let me see a hand in the air. It's long, hard, yes? A lot of people. How many of you have ever done a classic Colorado 14er? Can I see a hand in the air? You ever done that? Now, how many of you have done said hiking? with at least someone else. It was at least a two-person team. Can I see a hand? Somebody else. Yes, yes, yes. Always more fun with somebody else. Now, I have done different kinds of hikes. In the beginning, let me tell you, I was the slowest person in the group. Have you ever been the slowest person in the group? Here's what you do. You're like, oh, don't wait on me. It's, it's totally fine. You know, go ahead. And as people start to leave, you're like, but I thought somebody might stay behind. Maybe somebody does. Maybe they're like, oh, you know what? I'm tired too. But they're really not. They just want to help you, encourage you, be with you. And then they stay back, right? And you have somebody who's going to go at your pace. How good that feels. You're like, okay, I got somebody with me. This is going to be good. This is going to be fun. So the first 14er I did, I was the slow guy. It was a two-man team. My friend Brian and I, we drove out here from Oklahoma back in 2008. I was going to officiate his wedding. Brian and I met in college at the University of Oklahoma. Brian, amazing guy. Different from me in the sense that Brian was smart enough to get paid to go to school at OU. I had to pay to go to school at OU. National Merit Scholar, he's a lawyer now, super smart guy. We decided to come out, do something adventurous before his wedding. So we drive all the way out here. We do Mount 
Ontario. We're rookies. I bring too much stuff. He's a long-distance runner. I'm struggling. He's helping me, encouraging me, firing me up, letting me borrow some of the trail mix. And let me tell you, if you didn't bring in enough trail mix on a hike and somebody gives you some trail mix, somehow those M&Ms taste better than any other M&Ms you like ever eat. So he's sharing the mix. He's sharing the things. We make it to the top. We start our way down. Unexpected storm rolls in. Lightning literally strikes this tree. We start running. I mean, record time down. That was the first time. Fast forward, 2000. And 14, I'm doing another 14er. And this is right after Becky and I and the family had moved to Colorado. We go to this church plant conference. There were some guys at this conference who wanted to do a 14er. I had done a couple by this point. And so the leader of this group, the great leader, sends out all the information, the list of things to bring, you know, bring this, bring that, get ready, hydrate, all the stuff. You want to be prepared. And so we show up at the trailhead, and this is me. Look at my face. I mean, I'm like, what's happening in this moment, everyone is praying. Like, the guy is, like, leading a prayer. And I'm like, this is going to be no good. You know, I've got, like, my three-liter Camelback on. I've got my snacks. I've got extra stuff. And here's the reason. It's not like I'm some amazing hiker or something, but it's because I'm looking to my right. This guy right here, ironically, his name is Brian. Now, Brian is a part of the group. He got all the emails, all the stuff, right? He's supposed to be prepared. I'm standing next to Brian. I look over and I've been talking to him a little bit. He's got like vans, like these on. It's too late to do anything about it. You know, I'm like, this, this shoes are going to be, this is no good. I'm like, do you have water? He's like, yeah, I got water. He pulls out like this Aquafina bottle from like 7-Eleven. I'm like, that's, that's all you got? He's like, yeah. Like, Do you have any, any snacks? He's like, yeah, I got a Cliff Bar. I'm like, oh, Jesus, right now. I mean, this is what I'm feeling right now. I'm like, oh, Jesus, right now. This is, I'm eating my apple. I'm trying to get fired up. So in this pack, it looks like he has a pack, right? This is total newbie mistake, right? So in the pack, what do you think he has? He's got his little Cliff Bar. And he's got this giant camera. And that's it. So in the moment, I'm like being sinful. I'm being all negative. I'm like, oh, this guy is going to be so slow. And then I remember being slow. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, I've got to turn this frown upside down. This is my chance to be like the original Brian to the new Brian. I am going to try to do my best to get this guy to the top and get this guy to the bottom. And so I'm going to stick with him. And so I turn the frown upside down, we start doing the hike, and everyone leaves us. I mean, he is, he's struggling. He's from the lowlands already, so the elevation's already killing him. I mean, at trailhead, he's like, <sighs> I'm like, this is going to be rough. So we walk 15 minutes, he's dying. I mean, heart rate, you're like, <clears throat> he burns through the water, you know, in the first hour. I'm like, oh, this is no good. So we're walking, we're walking, we're walking. I, I offer him, you know, some of mine. And he's like, sure, I love it. He takes it, and he's like, like some newborn animal. And he's just sucking all of it in. I'm like, wait, you got to pace it, pace it. Now pull it out of his mouth, and we start walking. We're pacing, intervals, you know, interval, interval, interval. We get all the way to the top. We're so excited, but that's halfway, right? People underestimate going down. Sometimes going down is harder than going up. So we go on our way down, and we run out of food. We run out of water. 
Everybody else is gone. He's dying. I'm trying not to get mad. And then I remembered in my pack, I don't even know, I don't normally bring it, but I had in my pack the original life straw. Have you ever seen these? Like you can drink out of any little thing that you find. And so here's me and Brian, two like adult guys coming down. Any little puddle or stream, you see two big old guys down there just sucking that thing like there's no tomorrow. But we make it all the way back down. Can we give it up to Brian? He made it. I don't know if he can hear us, but Brian made it. I didn't lose my salvation. I tried to keep it together. Now, I remembered how it felt when my Brian encouraged me. I really don't think I would have made it to the top without his encouragement, him cheering me on. I don't think that Brian would have made it without somebody coming alongside and saying, hey, we can do this. Sometimes as a leader, you've got to slow down to the lowest common denominator of your team. And if you outpace them, they can't even see you. What inspiration are you then? Sometimes you've got to slow it down and say, I'm with you. We're going to do this together. That feeling, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling. Somebody lets you borrow, have some trail mix. When you run out of supplies, they give you some bug spray. When you run out of toilet paper, when you are hungry and you run out and somebody generously gives you something on a hike, that feeling, right? They're sacrificing out of their stuff to give to you. That is how church should feel. That feeling of together, we can do this. I am side by side with you. Some people are speeding up. Some people are slowing down. Some people have enough provisions, some people don't. But we are never going to leave each other behind because we know that we're stronger and that we're better together. This is how church should feel. That sense of unity, that sense of connection, that sense of strength that you can only have within a team. Everybody say team. Brings us to the one big thing. Write this down today. I want you to think about this on your communication card. Our one big thing, if you're here for the very first time, you can catch this. We usually have one central thought that we focus on all day long. And here's the first one for today. We are better together. Now, I'm going to say this again, and when we get to the word together, I want us to say it together, okay? We are better. Together. One more time. We are better Today we are talking about the habit of togetherness. We're talking about the habit of community. We're in this series called The Life You've Always Wanted. We're talking about God using habits to help us grow spiritually. Habits like meditation, simplicity, studying the word of God, prayer, fasting. Today, the discipline or the habit of community. That yes, faith is an individual exercise, but it's done within the context of a team sport. How many of you know today, if you're a Broncos fan, you're hoping on Monday night, Mr. Wilson has put in enough individual work. When it's time to shine, he can bring his best individual game to the team. And hopefully, the team will win as a reflection of each individual effort coming together as a team to make something happen. So yes, yeah, sometimes faith feels individualistic, but it was never meant to be done alone. Think about that today as we get into the habit of community. I want to introduce you to an author, a martyr, a pastor 
long since passed away, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer lived and ministered in the 1930s, 40s, during World War II and before. Very critical writings about community and discipleship. He writes this about community. Now keep this in mind. He stood up for his faith and his beliefs all the way to the end. He was captured by the Nazis. He was tortured. He was killed. He writes this about Christian community. Christian community means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. There is no Christian community that is more than this and none that is less than this. Whether it be a brief single encounter or the daily community of many years, Christian community is solely this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. Now think about today, football Sunday. I'm looking out. I see some Broncos gear. Mm-hmm. I see some Broncos gear. I see some non-Broncos gear. Packers, sinners in the house. God, right now, let your holy fire come. I mean, we've got a Chicago Bears fan running camera number two right now. I'm different from you. You're different from me. You are different from you. Your experience in life and in God is different than your experience. What brings us together in this room isn't the commonalities that we have externally. We're not all wearing the same shirt, the same team. We don't all look the same. We come from different backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, spiritual experiences. Sometimes people mistake uniformity for unity. You can have people that all look the same but are disunified. You can have people that look different and are completely unified. It's kind of like a part of my junk drawer at home. How many of you have a junk drawer? You'll be honest enough to say yes. I, I do have a junk drawer. If you don't have your hand in the air, you are a liar. I'm telling you right now. I can find one drawer in your house. In my junk drawer, we have, I don't know why we have this. There are like a million paper clips in our junk drawer. This is what they look like. This is right here in this bowl, right here. I want you to think about these paper clips. These paper clips are different colors. We've got purple, we've got red, we've got pink, we've got silver, white, we've got different shapes. It's not what's on the outside that makes these things come together, right? But if you were to take something like a magnet, think about how we started today, where two or three people come together in the name of Jesus. They don't all look the same, they don't smell the same, they don't make the same, they don't have the same political opinions. But when two or three people come together in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not what's on the outside that brings them together. It's what's on the inside, just like this paperclip. It's not the colors. It's something on the inside. So when the presence of God starts to come into a place, starts to bring people together, let us remember that in Go Church, in the church, we are like this. This is what brings us together. It's what's on the inside that brings us together. You think about what's on the inside the power of the Holy Spirit of God, the forgiveness that you have received, something that we all can take. 
as a reality and a truth in our life, that it's not about how good we are, it's about how great God is, it's not about how we look on the outside, it's about the change that God has made on the inside. When old things have passed away and everything has become new, we have hope, we have future, we have Jesus, we are team Jesus, that's what brings us together. Do you believe that, Go Church? That is what brings us together and this is how we can achieve true community, true fellowship, that transcends cultural similarities. True diversity found only in the kingdom of God. And you see the first church. We're going to read this right now out of Acts. This is the very first church. This is like, I was in an older house yesterday. Here in this zip code, a lot of the homes are fairly new. I was in a home yesterday that was probably, I don't know, 50 or 60 years old. And it reminded me of my parents' house or maybe my grandparents' house or maybe a home where if you go in and you buy it and you're going to renovate it or flip it or something and maybe there's some carpet you don't like, you're like, well, that carpet's got to go. You pull that up only to reveal like 1973 linoleum underneath that. And you're like, oh, that's going to be a pain, but that, that's got to go. You peel that up, and then maybe, if you're lucky, maybe there's some beautiful, like, original hard wood oak flooring. And they're like, man, we're going to resurface that. This is going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. This is the original floor of this house. This is the original hardwood floors of the first church. This is how it was. This is how it should be. Check this out. Acts chapter 2 Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Okay, everybody take your communication card. Look right here. Get it out. Look at it. At the very bottom, every week we do this. Make this message work in your life this week. We're going to get started today. So one of the questions I'm asking here on this card is where do you see in Acts 2:42 through 47 these ideas? Read it right here. Worship, witness, fellowship, discipleship, prayer. You see five amazing things in this short portion of Scripture. Start to figure that out now as we read it. So here we go. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Everyone say fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is theological proof that breadsticks are godly. I just got to say that little marinara sauce, and we're ultra godly. <laughs> Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. In this day, it would be like a go church experience like today coming together as a group, as a team. They broke bread. There's breadsticks again. Go Olive Garden. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, daily, those who were being saved. Do you see the picture of this community? I want to be in this small group. I'm thinking about being in this small group. Bread is mentioned twice. What else is happening? They're meeting together as a team, right? They're going to synagogue or they're going to church. What else are they doing? 
the gathering around the table. When was the last time that you gathered some people around your table? When was the last time that you were invited to join someone else around their table? You don't see any division. You see a coming together of all of that. It's not just attend or observe some religious practice. There was some observation, but it turned into participation. You can't participate when you isolate. And you're here today, which is saying you value the presence of God. You value the people of God, but this isn't it. You haven't arrived. This isn't the top of the 14-year experience. This is important, but that's not all there is to experience. In this, we see the power of God, the spirit of God. We see miracles. We see worship, witness, fellowship, discipleship, prayer. But today, we're focusing on fellowship. Now, the Bible, let me just say this. If you've ever done a 14er and you've gotten off the path, that's kind of a scary feeling. Or if you feel like, oh, I took a wrong turn somewhere, that, that is not a good feeling, especially if it's not crowded and you can't see a lot of other people. It makes you nervous. If you lose phone connection for Apple Maps or Google Maps and you're trying to get somewhere, it's like, this does not feel good. Do I go straight? Do I turn? What do I do besides yell at my spouse? <laughs> It's always your spouse's fault if you're married. It's like, all you got to do is run in directions. This feeling is like going through life without the ability to navigate. And today, as we look at fellowship, as we look at what God is doing, I want us to see the Bible as that Google Maps for our life. I want us to remember that the Bible is authoritative in our life. We don't change the Bible to fit our opinions. We change our opinions to fit the Bible. We don't bend it and shape it and torque it and make it say this and make it do that just because it makes us feel comfortable or because it's maybe an inconvenient truth in today's culture. We look to the Bible as this is our navigation. This is my true north. This is the way that I'm going to live. I'm going to bend my life to this. So in the Bible, written Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek, a little bit of Aramaic, we see the Greek word for fellowship, it is koinonia. It means, of course, fellowship, community, communion, but it also means joint participation. And I think there's power in that idea. Maybe sometimes our spiritual experience starts by observation, just watching, checking it out. I think it's totally normal. Maybe you're here for the very first time, and you're like, a friend brought me, I heard about this. I Googled average preacher and go church popped up. <laughs> and you're here today and you're checking it out. I'm so glad you're here. Maybe you're checking it out online for the very first time. Hi, we love you. I'm glad you're checking it out. There's some point in your life, though, where you've got to transition from observation to participation. You got to get off the bench. You got to get in the game. You've got to realize that God has put strengths in you, gifts in you, that you have something to bring to the table, that God wants to use you to make a difference in somebody else's life. Richard Foster writes about this in the Celebration of Discipline, the book that we're referencing in this series. He writes this about koinonia, fellowship. There is what the biblical writers called koinonia, deep inward fellowship, and the power of the Spirit, 
It is not dependent on homogenous units. Now, all my students in the house, homogenous, that's the idea of everything being the same or identical or like. It's not dependent on everything being the same or even knowing information about one another's lives. There comes a divine melting, and I love this imagery. There comes a divine melting of our separateness. In the power of the one spirit, we become wrapped in a sense of unity and of presence, such as quiets all words and enfolds us within an unspeakable calm and interknittedness within a vaster life. Now, students, a vaster life, vast, like big, huge, ultimate, grand. Such fellowship and worship makes vicarious worship via the media tasteless and flat. Now, this was written before the internet existed, but it brings up a relevant point. Right now, we're streaming. We have all the things online. We have everything in the app. We do that for people who need that encouragement or that support. But if that's all you ever do is just watch, occasionally check it out, read a blog, watch a vlog, watch a video, you miss out on what it's really like to be a part of. It's like watching a game instead of playing in the game. It's like watching someone ride a roller coaster and then you getting into that front cart, buckling in, putting the hands in the air like you just don't care, and you riding the roller coaster. You've got to move beyond observation into participation. That's where the fun happens, baby. You get in the game. You start learning. You start growing. start learning about other teammates. So how can we do it? I want to give you a very practical way, and I bet you see this coming. Here's our one big action. Write it down. I will join a small group. But God does amazing things when we come together. Our first worship experience today at 9 was so fun. It was an amazing, powerful time of prayer. Today, I'm just encouraged seeing your faces here, knowing that you love the same Jesus I love, that you're wanting to move forward in your relationship with God. It makes me happy. It makes me fired up. God does amazing things here. We learn, we grow, we experience the presence of God when we gather. The Bible says to gather. In rows, something powerful happens, but something as powerful happens when we gather around our table in our house, in somebody else's house. When we gather up in a circle, when you take the time to show up into somebody else's home, meet somebody else at a coffee shop or a Panera Bread or meet together to work out at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. It's not quite that early. What you're saying is I automatically value you and your story and what you're going to bring to this experience enough for me to put time in my calendar to be here. Your very presence communicates value. Value to the other person, value on this moment, value on what God could do. When you start to hear other people's stories, guess what? You start to grow. You start to learn. And then watch this. It also works in reverse. Think about this. What if somebody here today needed you to be here? They needed you here. 
Maybe you, it was a smile, it was a high five, it was just a conversation. It was them seeing you, maybe express yourself in worship. Maybe seeing you, really paying attention and and pushing in. That made a difference in how they feel about the rest of their day. See, sometimes we come to church and we think it's all about me. I'm going to come and I'm going to grow, I'm going to do my thing. What if other people need you? Works the same way in a small group. We want to be a church of small groups. We want Go Church to be a place where you will never know everyone. Never. But you will always know someone. And that happens in small groups. When you start to learn names, stories, you start to come together. And what time do you guys want to come? When are we going to go? Are we going to do coffee before, or after? Are we going to do brunch before, after? Or are we going to do the game after? What worship experience do we want to go to? Come as a group. I mean, you taking up like this thing over here, that part over there. Let's go over here. Men, show up early. Get that whole left side. We're going to go left side today. Well, it's my left. It's your right. <laughs> you're coming together and you're doing life together. This is small groups. And I want you to think about prioritizing other people and moving from observation to participation. Get the app, look at the times, and make a decision right now in your head. It's not if. If I'm going to go. It's which one am I going to go to? Which one? We're going to figure out the calendar. I'm going to rearrange some things. I'm going to move this over here. We're going to prioritize this. We're going to go four weeks in a row. We're just going to do it. We're going to commit to this because you value other people. You know that sense and what it feels like to receive the trail mix. Give the trail mix. Somebody cheering you on, you being cheered on. You can't participate if you isolate. I experienced this. I'll just keep it real with you. For the first time when I was a freshman at the University of Oklahoma, a guy named Jess Trevino, he was a pre-med student. He was different from me. You know, he was probably a guy I wouldn't just think I would go hang out or spend time with. I was more into sports. He was more into church. (laughs) He was, I was more into sports. He was more into making A's. I was more into having a good time as a freshman. He was more into studying, okay? So we had some differences, but I could tell he was smart. We met at the cafeteria or something, some everyday life thing, and he invited me to a small group. And I'm like, okay, sure. Of course, I never showed up. Saw him again. He was still nice. He's like, hey, we would love to have you come check out small group. There's a group of guys. I think you really connect. It'd be fun. And I ended up showing up. And at the small group, I met Brian, who I've already talked to you about. Lifelong friend. Met another guy named Shay. He's got his PhD in religious studies, teaches Jewish history, longtime friend, lifetime friend, and Jess. This is Jess and Evie behind me. They came to visit us two or three years ago. They have three amazing kids. This is 26 years later. And out of that small group, I have some lifelong friends, not just acquaintances. I'm also going to keep it real with you. For the Callaway house over the last couple of weeks has been kind of a rough patch some sickness in the house, some family drama, trying to get through it. How many of you have ever had a rough week? Can I see a hand you've had a rough week before? Been kind of a rough week. So I text who I consider to be still my small group leader. Like 
I'm the pastor now. I'm the guy who's doing this professionally. He's a pharmacist, you know, working for Walmart in Tulsa. I still think about him as my small group leader. I text my small group leader. I'm like, Jess, you know, tough week. You share with him some stuff. Would you pray for us? And look what he writes back. This is last week. Oh, bro, my heart hurts. Evie and I will both intercede. And when Jess writes this, Evie and I will both intercede. Here's what that means. He will, Jess will be on his physical knees early in the morning before work, before his kids are going to school. He'll have that word of God open. He'll be praying in the spirit. He will be thinking and calling out my kids' names. Go church. He will be interceding. And it's like, oh God, help him. That's what that means. Because let me know if there's anything else I can possibly do. I'm telling you right now, if I said, Jess, I need you to come up here, flight, be here. I need to come see you off work. That's what he would do. So I respond back, you know, thank you, dear friend. We feel this is a, a spiritual attack, just trying to dissolve our determination. Please pray in the spirit over us. Love you very much. And then like any good small group leader, days later, he follows up because he's been interceding been praying for you brother if you need to talk at all I'm free the rest of the evening and what that means is you call me anytime you could have some of this in your life but you won't have it if you just isolate if you just randomly show up if you just kind of attend if you kind of show up once or twice and watch one or two messages online a month and, and kind of dabble, it'll just stay bland, tasteless. It's okay, but there's no richness. There's no butter and salt and savory mixed with the sweetness that is living in community and worshiping together, sharing the trail mix of life, being there for each other through the thick and the thin and all in between, knowing that it's not on the outside. It's not the team that I root for that brings us together. It's the life and the... It's the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what brings us together. Can it be enough? Can everything else fade in its importance under the awesomeness and the majesty of that truth? God, help us. We come to you today, God, as your kids. Help us to value each other just as you do and when you say that you love the world so much that you gave your one and only son that you love the world enough not just one kind of person but you love the world enough to give your one and only your best and only son that we wouldn't have to perish but that we could live a life eternal in you God do we believe it 
Can we dare to risk to love each other like you radically loved us? Can we love each other when we least deserve it and least expect it? Can everything pale in comparison to the might of your sacrifice and your resurrection? Can we boast only in that? Can it be enough? with your eyes closed and your hearts open there was a guy that Jesus met and he had everything he was a good guy he followed all the rules he followed all the laws he did all the lists he, he was successful he had money and he came to Jesus and he said what, what do I need to do to follow you and Jesus said there's just one thing left just sell the things you have and follow me. And the man became sad because he had a lot of things. Do we have a lot of things today? Is there anything in our life that we need to say, God, I'm selling this. I am done with this ego. I am done with this pride. I am done taking confidence in my IQ and in my intellect and in my accolades and my job that I worked so hard for. And I am just going to follow you, forsaking everything else because you're worth it. Here today, the most important thing that you could do is to give your life to the one who gave everything for you. Jesus came and he lived a sinless life, but he paid the price for our mistakes and our sin on the cross with his own body. He bore the stripes. He was ripped and torn and shredded for our sin. Thinking about us, I believe knowing every single name of every single child of his. Being separated from his father for our healing. They peeled his dead body off of that tree and they put him into a tomb, lifeless, dead, done. But on the third day, God changed everything. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead and he is alive. And I stand here today to declare that Jesus Christ is greater than sin. He is greater than death. He is greater than the devil and he is greater than you. He is greater than our economy. He is greater than every human organization. He is sovereign. He is almighty. He is God. And at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. It's your opportunity now to declare it for your own self. You know us what you need to do. Now it's time to do it. If you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the leader of your life truly, pray this prayer with me out loud right now. Say, Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I'm making you the Lord and the leader of my life, and I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, 
be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.